tremendous time with a bunch of kids and, and parents, and so excited about what God is doing this summer. And this, this series, I'm really excited about it because we're talking, not, it was really inspired by Champ Camp as we're looking at how can we help families win at being a family. And wanting to, that just kind of brought up the whole idea of, you know, teams, that families are meant to be teams, and we all find ourselves ourselves on different teams, and God's will for our lives and God's will for the world is accomplished through teams. It's not just an individual thing, but it's in joining ourselves with, with other people. And when, if you remember, those of you who've heard this, when God made the first man, Adam, he looked at him and he was made in God's image and he was really smart and good looking, but he said, it's not good for that man to be alone. He needs a woman. He needs a team. And God's will for our life is, is found in teams, too. And a lot of times we find ourselves on teams, whether it's at church or work or in our community or school. And how many of you know there are a lot of challenges and frustrations working with other people on a team? Yeah, the back row. I don't know. All three of the sound people are raising their hands, so maybe that's a really troubled team back there. I'm not sure. But, no, there, I mean, we all, like... There's so, it can be so challenging getting along with people, whether it's your sports team or a work team, whatever it is. So often there are, there are challenges involved with that. But there's also incredible potential, whether it's in a family or your job or a community and, and church. And that's something, actually, I think one of the reasons that America has, has flourished so much in our history is that from the very beginning, Americans have had an, a lot of Americans have had an understanding that it is people coming together for a common purpose that really see something great accomplished. If you look at the history of America, that I think it's very significant that when the pilgrims were coming over on the Mayflower, they, they made this thing called the Mayflower Compact. And it was this, this agreement that they wrote down, saying we are basically giving our lives together to come to this new land, just not for what we think of as the American dream a lot of times, not just so that we can live in suburbia and have all our needs taken care of, because they weren't going to have that life. They were undergoing incredible uh, suffering and sacrifice. But they said, but we want to establish a community where we can model what a Christian community looks like in such a way that it will bring God's light, not only to this new continent, but to the whole world. And it's amazing how much that has happened. And I was... I'm just going to, this isn't normally how we start, but that, a couple hundred years later, there was a guy, a Frenchman, named Alexis de Tocqueville, and there's a little tension between France and America right now, the whole Paris Accords, the environmental issue that happened this past week, I'm not going to speak about that, but there's, there's been a lot of interaction between France and America um, from our beginning, and this guy, after America got started, he was a historian and really an early sociologist, and he came to America to study like what was unique about what was going on in the U.S. He was, actually came originally to look at our prisons and our penitentiaries, but he really looked at a much broader look of, of all of society. And he ended up, one of the most profound book things, he wrote a book called Democracy in America that's been a hugely influential book, but an insightful about kind of the American spirit. And there are things in that I think really are, are from God. And one of the things he, he talked about was this aspect of people joining themselves together in teams with other people. And I'm just going to read a, a few quotes about this. He says, Americans of all ages, all conditions, all minds constantly unite. Not only do they have commercial and industrial associations in which all take part, 
But they all have a thousand other kinds. Religious, moral, and you list a whole bunch of other things. Americans use associations to give fets, which is parties or festivals, to found seminaries, to build inns, to raise churches, to distribute books, to send missionaries to the, the antipodes, which just means the opposite sides of the, of the world. In this manner, they create hospitals, they create prisons, schools. So he said, people, they're, it's, they're coming together to accomplish all these things, but whenever they want to do it, they, they find a team. They form an association to accomplish that. And this is really interesting. He says, everywhere that, at the head of a new undertaking, you see the government in France, you see the government in France, so saying, if there's something great happening in France, the government is in charge. They're organizing it. And a great lord in England. So there's a, a, a lord, a noble person, a, a p- political leader. He says, count on it that in America you'll perceive an association. In other words, it's not from the top down, like someone telling people what they have to do, but there were people that organized together and united around a common cause. I often admire the infinite art with which the inhabitants of the, of the United States managed to fix a common goal, i.e. vision. We're going to talk about that today. They managed to fix a common goal to the efforts of many men and to get them to advance to it freely. And so, it's interesting that that was one of the most insightful things he saw about the character of, of this country. And, you know, I'm not here to brag about America. We love every nation, and God has wonderful things in the culture of every nation. But this is something that, again, one of the reasons that the U.S. has flourished is because of this sense of, it's not just me, but it's a team, which, interesting, is different than what we often think of as the American quality today of being individualistic. Um, so teams are incredibly important for us as we to accomplish God's will in our lives. They're incredibly important for us to accomplish God's will in the world. And so we're going to be talking about that for the next, next few weeks. And today we're talking about one of the first elements that successful teams, that you have to bring to your team, whether it's your family your job, sports team, whatever you're on, what you bring to that team to make it a winning team, to help your team win. And we're, we're kind of actually following, at Champ Camp, we have Champ is spelled C-H-A-M-P, those of you that have trouble spelling. Um, but each, each week, there's a, the letter, we have a character based on that letter. And some of those, we're, we're actually doing that on Sunday mornings too. And... So this week at Champ Camp, we talked, some of them are going to overlap and some are going to be different. So at Champ Camp, we talked about courage. But this morning, we're not talking about courage. We're talking about having a clear and compelling vision. If you want your team to win, probably the first element you need to have is a clear and compelling vision for that team. And that was interesting that what, what de Tocqueville said about those he saw, that they fixed their minds upon a common goal. They had a a clear and compelling vision that they rallied around. We're going to look at how God has a vision for our teams. He has a vision for our lives, a clear and compelling vision for our teams. Um, Before we go on, I just want to pray and ask that God would really help us to get what he wants us to get. So let's pray together. Lord, we look to you this morning. I I ask that, that as we look at your word, as I talk, that you would help me to be aligned with your will for us. You would help all of us to have a heart that's ready to receive what you have for us. I pray that you would not only speak to our minds, but speak to our hearts. And, and also bring 
the practical application for our life of what you're leading us into. Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're going to look at our, our, our foundational text from the Bible this morning. is Genesis chapter, chapter 12, verse 1. And this is when God first called the man who became, his name was changed from Abram to Abraham later. But his, at this point in the story, he's still called Abram. So this is the beginning of the story of God reaching out to Abram and calling him to, in, to follow him into the purpose that he had for him. And it says in Genesis 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred or your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Just think about that for a minute. Imagine replace Abram's name with your name. And you're going about your, your life and one day you hear God's voice. And he says, hey, Sally, Fred, whatever your name is, go, leave your country, leave your family, leave your relatives, and go somewhere else to a land I will show you. It's interesting, he doesn't even tell him where. He just says, hey, start moving, and I'll, I'll tell you where you're going to go as you get going. That's, those are pretty radical instructions, right? Like if you started telling your friends what you were doing, you would get some questions. People would think that you were a little fanatical or a little insane or both. That is, these, these, are, these are really radical. He's basically saying, hey, leave everything that you know and hold dear. Your family, your home, your culture, your customs, your relatives, your friends. Leave it all and come into something different. And, you know, one way to look at that is it's, God is saying, hey, I want you to make sure you're on the right team. Because we're, gonna, we're talking about how God wants to help you help your team win, but first you've got to make sure you're on the right team. Because there are certain teams we may find ourselves on that isn't the team God wants us to be on where he's going to help us win. You know, if you're, this morning you're here and you're a member of the mafia, then I'm not here telling you how you can help the mafia be more successful at knocking people off and running organized crime. You know, there, and we can talk about all sorts of examples. But not every team is a team you're supposed to be. And it may even be a good team, but it's just not where God has you. And so it's really important that we find the places where God has us. And so God wants us to get in the right place. And so he gives these radical instructions, and we're going to go on, and Abram does obey. He does follow these instructions. Um, why would he do that? Well, the first reason, and this isn't really what we're going to focus on this morning, but it's, it's important that we know as, as foundational the reason that Abram would follow these instructions, the same reason we should follow instructions like that as they come to us, is because who is the one giving the instructions? Because it's the Lord said to Abram, go, lead. It's that the Lord, that's the name I am. It's the self-existent one. The God of the universe, the one who has always been, the one who created us. He is the one who calls us. And he is the one who has the, the right to call the shots in our life. And um, you know, that's, that's really foundational, that we're starting out at that place of, okay, God, my life is not my own, and it's about aligning myself with what you have for me. And so that's just foundational. The other thing is, really, we're, we're, we're talking about vision this morning, a clear and compelling vision. 
And a lot of times today when people talk about vision, and you'll, almost any book you read about vision, about leadership, they'll say, hey, the first quality of leadership is vision. Almost any book you read about organizational dynamics or starting a business, they'll talk about, hey, what's the vision for your organization? Vision is hugely important. But oftentimes today when we think of vision, we think of something that we think of. Like, hey, what's your vision for your life? And, you know, in our culture, we're told all the time, like, hey, you can do anything you want. Whatever you set your mind to, you can accomplish it. What's, figure out a vision for your life and just go after it, and you can do it. And I'm here to tell you that that's not true. All right, I, I watched game one of the NBA playoffs. None of you are going to be Kevin Durant. All right? I don't care how much of a vision you have for your life. You are not going to do what he does. And there are, you were made for something, but you weren't made for everything. And it's important that we don't just try to figure out our own vision for our life, but we look to the one who created us, who has a vision for us. And that's what the idea of a vision really is, in where that word comes from, is a vision is from the Lord. It's when someone sees something that is not from your own making, but the God of the universe speaks to you and shows you a picture in your mind's eye. And you see something like, oh my goodness, this is something bigger. This is what I was born for. This is what God is after. And that's really what we're talking about this morning, is that kind of vision, a vision from God. Um, why would Abraham do this? Another reason you do that is because God says, hey, go to the land I will show you. Well, there's a whole lot of trust involved. And following God always involves trust, that he is good, that he has our best interests, that he, as we follow him, there's something better. And... That's, that's the idea that, why do we follow God? Well, yes, he deserves it. Even if, even if it didn't work out good for us, he's God, and he deserves us to follow him. But the reality is, the good reality is that he is such a good God, and his plans for us are always good. And I think, why would Abram do this radical thing? How many of you heard of the two reasons why people change? There are two reasons why, why people change in life. Because change is not natural to us, right? It wasn't natural for Abram to leave everything behind and go to this land. It's not natural for us to change. There are basically two reasons why we change. One is things are so bad that you're fed up and you're looking for something new. When when you run out of food or things aren't going well in your life, when you've been living a certain way and it's not working out, that oftentimes brings us to the point, that's oftentimes what brings us to the point, is saying, okay, maybe I need something different. Maybe the, the way I'm living isn't cracking out. Isn't cracking out? I'm making up expressions as I go here, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. You know, you get fed up with your current condition. That's usually why people get in shape, physically. It's like, you may look at your, you may be knowing in the back of your mind for, for months and years, like, you know, I really should get in better shape. But it's finally when you get to the point that you step on the scale or look in the mirror like, oh, man, it's really bad. How did it get here? It's so bad that it gets you at a gut level. And that's what, okay, man, I need to do something. I need to change my, I need to start working out. I need to change my diet. It's bad condition. Our current condition finally leads us to the point. And oftentimes, that's, God will let us, our life go a certain place to where we see the results of how we're living. And God says, okay, do I have your attention yet? Are you willing to live the way I want you to live? Because this is, it's not cracking out the way you want it to. 
Um, so that's one reason. You know, I don't think, I don't know that that was the reason for Abram. Maybe, maybe that was played into it. Maybe, um, maybe it didn't. But he, he, um, he came from like the center of civilization. Where he lived was like the New York of his day. I get the impression reading the scripture that he came from a wealthy, influential family. Like, it seemed like things were going pretty well for him. Although, you know, I'm sure there was some discontent in his heart that, that God had more for him. But a second reason people change is because they see an amazing opportunity. That, you know, why did people come to settle the Midwest? Because the government said, hey, we'll give you 160 acres if you move here and you farm it. And people are like, both of those two reasons together. Oh, man, I'm, I'm not doing very well here in Kentucky. There's an opportunity. Wow, yes, let's move my family because I can start a new life there. And that's, that's really what, what, what God has for us. What we're talking about today is having a compelling vision of something better that God wants to bring not only us into, but our families, our friends, the teams that we're on. Um, that's what Abram did. We look at Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 8. It says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. There it was. He didn't know where he was going, but he knew he was going to receive something as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him, of the same promise. It's interesting that he left this, this life of privilege, this life of wealth, and he spent the rest of his life living in a tent. Now, a few of us just camped out on Friday night, and it was great. I really loved it. I was sitting there thinking, I should do this more often, but I don't really want to live in a tent. Right? It was wonderful to come home and have a soft mattress to sleep on and a shower. Like, it was much better, but Abraham... He left all that. I mean, not a shower, you know, but you get my drift. He, he left the life of comfort to live in a tent because there was a promise. There was a clear and compelling vision of something greater that God wanted to bring him into. And he lived that way the rest of his life. It says, verse 10, what was that? For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. What does that mean? He was looking, he lived in a tent because he was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Well, what this is talking about is, it's what St. Augustine called the city of God. It's what is throughout the Bible is called the kingdom of God. Abram had a realization that he was being called out of his life of worshiping pagan gods and living just the life everybody else was living to be a part of seeing God's kingdom come into the world. I've seen a place where a city like a, was going to be, be built. A community, a society would be established where people live not according to their own ways, but the kind of life, the kind of communities that God intended for the world, that he was bringing it about. And he had chosen Abraham to be part of that. And so that was, that was the vision. It was like, man, this is, I am getting caught up in God's purpose for history. And I don't know what he knew about what had been revealed to previous generations. I suspect he knew some things. But that from the beginning, God had said, hey, I want you to be fruitful and fill the earth and spread my way of living in all the world. I have a way for families to live. I have a way for communities to be built. I have a way for my life and blessing to be experienced. And when Abraham heard God, 
he knew that he was being called to be part of his life, being part of what God was doing in history. Now, it's interesting that in his lifetime, he didn't see a whole lot of that accomplished. But the promise of knowing that he was helping to move the ball down the field was enough for him to give his all to be part of that, and it was worth it. And it's so true, the same for us. Like, we may not see a whole lot of what our lives go towards, but if we know that, man, we're a part of what God is doing in the world. I mean, I believe every one of us today, I mean, there are incredible things that God is doing. And we get to see that and be part of it. But it's something much bigger than our own lifetime. It's something much bigger than us. It's being a part of God's plan for history. Okay, All right, let's go back. Because I've been saying that, but in, in the original call, when God called Abraham in, in Genesis 12, he lays this out in a very powerful way. And back in, in Genesis 12, verse 2, God says this, he says, Leave everything, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is just so, so great. Leave everything, and here's the clear and compelling vision. I will make of you, your solitary individual life, I'm going to turn you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. Your life is going to be blessed. It doesn't go into what that is, but the blessing of God is God's favor, God's presence, God's abundance. Yeah, it it may have implications in, in the material things, but it's much deeper than that. It's the righteousness and peace and joy and family and relationships and the kind of life that that God has for you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. You know, there's something in your heart that you've always believed that you were born for more. That there is a destiny for your life. That there was something more that you were put on this life for than just sucking air and living and having a comfortable life and then dying. And God speaks to them and says, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make you a great person. I'm going to bless, I'm going to, whoever, whoever blesses you, I'm so with you that I'm, I'm going to bless them. Because I want people to know, hey, this is my man. And if you're with him, I'm going to take care of you too. And if you curse him, if you treat him dishonorably, I'm going to not, I'm going to, they'll have some repercussions in their life too. The one who dishonors you, I will curse. And so there's this, this promise of incredible blessing. That God says, hey, if you will do what I'm calling you to, if you will leave where you're at and come into something more, it's not just because I'm doing a power trip, but it's because I want to bless you. I want to give you the the ultimate life you were made for. And that's true for every one of us, is that God's desire, God's will for our life is a life of blessing. It's to bless us. It's to abundantly bless us. Now that doesn't always look like what we think it looks like. It may be blessing in a tent. But there's the, the rich blessing of God that comes upon our life. But what I really love is that it doesn't end there. But that last phrase, after all this blessing is going to come upon you, and it says, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Man, can you imagine hearing that if you were Abram? Wow, you want to do something with my life? And you're going to bless us? Yeah, you're going to make my family great. And, but you're going to use me and my offspring to bless every family in the earth? How incredible is that? 
That is amazing. And that is, that is God's promise, not only to Abraham, but to us. In the New Testament, it says that the promise to Abraham, that through his offspring the nations would be blessed, was fulfilled in Jesus. That Abraham's offspring became, Jesus was the descendant of Abraham. And that that blessing was made possible through Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. And not only for him, but for all who would believe in and follow him, that we are brought into the same, the same promise, the same destiny that Abraham had is made, but we're called into that when we, when we believe in Jesus. And so, bring it back to our life. What about my family? What about my work team? What about whatever team I'm on? Whatever team God's called me to be in? Okay, that means that God wants to use us to bless that team, to bring his blessing to that team, and then not just to that team, but through that team, that we could be a part of seeing his blessing come to the whole world. And that's, that's really incredible. Um, yeah. Is that good? Is that good stuff? I'd like you to start thinking about that. Like, think about your family. Think about your job. Think about whatever team it is. Like, God, what do you want? What's your vision for us? What do you want to accomplish through us? What's your heart? You know, what's interesting is that a lot of times, um, because things don't go so well in life, we don't see things, we don't see the results that we want to see, the temptation is to give up on the vision. I mean, if you look at Abraham, I mean, he, God said, hey, you're gonna, your offspring is going to bless the whole world. And then that offspring wasn't born until he was 100 years old. That's pretty crazy. There was a lot of... Really? Are you sure? There was a lot of inner wrestling and quest, and like, man, how, I had to think that. And a lot of times, that's, that's what it looks like in our life, too. It's like, okay, God, yeah, you want to bring this about, but man, where is it? I don't feel like I'm experiencing it. There's another scripture in, in Isaiah 49. And the prophet Isaiah has been following God and speaking his word and doing, doing great things, proclaiming God's word to the people of Israel, but they're not listening. They're not responding. And in Isaiah 49, verse 2, he says, I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Hey, it's not working out. How many of you ever feel like that? Like, man, you're going for these goals. You're going for what you think God's wanting to do in your life, and you're not seeing it happen. It's like, God, and it's, it's okay to do what Isaiah did. Like, God, I'm frustrated here. This feels like it's all in vain. And you know, we would tend to think that God's response to that would be, okay, well, you know, maybe just let's go for a small victory. You know, maybe, like, don't try to see, like, all of Israel listen to you, but maybe, let's, maybe there'll be, like, two people that are responsive. And you can know that something good's happening. But that's not what God does here. In this passage, in verse 6, it says, But God says, It's too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. Wait a minute. I just said it's not working with these stubborn people. But God says, wait, this is too small of a thing for you. He said, I will make you a light not only for Israel, but for all the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Oh, is that crazy or what? That when we're feeling like things aren't working, our tendency is to give up the vision. 
But what God wants to do is give us a bigger vision. He said, you know what? No, you're not seeing it, but I'm going to use you to change the whole world. I want you to be part of what I'm doing and changing the whole world. And there's something about a big vision that calls us up. There's something that changes us when we, when we catch. No, God, you, this is what you have for me. I know I'm not getting, I don't feel like anything's happening here. But God, you want to use me to be part of bringing your light to all the nations. That's incredible. Um, so we, we have to see a bigger vision for our life. You know, a, a couple of years ago, there's a pastor a lot of you have probably heard of named Francis Chan. And he, he started talking about an idea that really was kind of controversial. But he said, you know what? And Francis Chan is a family man. He's been married now for like 25 years. He has seven kids. All right? So if anyone's the family guy, I think it's this guy. But he said, you know what? I think a problem, a big problem in the American church is that Christians are idolizing their family. It's become so much about, hey, how can I help my family be blessed? How can we have the best experience for our kids? How can we just nurture our relationships and provide security and provide this really just you know, emotional, you know, pouring our emotional energy into our families? And that's, that's all good stuff. But I saw a thing on Facebook yesterday about the difference between like, my parents and young parents today. And I'm more like the young parents today, even though I'm not that young. But it's, it's like, um, what was one of the things? Um, how, do, how do millennial parents arrange playdates? And there's, or like, how do they do birthday parties? And you've got a picture of like 20 kids all with matching outfits and this elaborately costumes and props. And they, it's like this major party, like bigger than our wedding was. It's like, wow, this is amazing. Okay, how did our parents arrange playdates? It's like, open the door, go outside, figure it out. <laughs> you know, there's been like this change, like there's so much energy into like making our kids have this perfect life. And that's what Francis Chan was saying, you know, we can become so obsessed with that, that we miss out on God's bigger purpose for the world. It's like there are a lot of Christians who you get married and they've been kind of on the front lines of like, yeah, I want to give my life to advancing God's kingdom and missions and reaching people with the gospel. And then it all becomes about circle the wagons and, oh man, this is my family. And believe me, I've got kids. It takes a lot of energy to, to raise a family. But we can lose sight of like, no, it's about something bigger. And Francis Chan said, you know, the issue is, is that a lot of times kids, Christian kids turn 18 and they go off on their own and they're not interested in church because there hasn't been a sense of adventure in it. There hasn't been something bigger than their own life. There hasn't been something like, no, we're a family but it's not just about us. But our family is for other people. Our family is for the hurting and broken families in our neighborhood. Our family is for the hurting and broken families in Manhattan. You know, maybe we, we want our kids to have a vision for people in the world that don't have what we have. How can we impart that to our kids and do that together so that we see that there's something bigger than our own life? And that's, that's true for our families. That's true for every team that we're on, that it's got to be bigger than that. You know, if, if our vision is... It's just for our kids to, to stop fighting for, for a day. You know, I get it. Believe me, I get it. But it's not a big enough vision. You know, if, if our vision is that we can have a nice house and a comfortable life, I get it, but it's not a big enough vision. If it's just for our family, then it's, it's not a big, big enough vision. If, if our vision for our job is, man, I, I want to make more money in my job. 
And, you know, or maybe I just, you know, I want to provide for my family. You know, that's good. That's important. That's part of it. But that's not enough. God wants to see our jobs as a place where he's called us to do meaningful work that, that changes the world. And that looks different for different people. You know, I look at Fernando and Amaris and their work in like soil and, stu- and agronomy and figuring out how to, how to solve the world's food problem. Like, man, to me, that's an exciting. I mean, I know it's not exciting every day when you're in the dirt. It doesn't seem that huge. But it's like, man, this is a huge world problem. But their job is making a difference. And I think of Blake, who just got an architecture degree, and he's working for a company designing hospitals and medical facilities all over the world. And they're all, I don't know, all over somewhere. <laughs> and it's like, man, that's, that's cool. Like, using your skills. It's, it's not just about making money, but it's helping people. And, you know, it's not to say that it has to be that obvious, but that our job should be doing something meaningful. You know, it's that we're serving people. We're making a difference in people's lives. Not only that, but it's that there are people around us. That God has called us not just to, to get along with them, but to develop people. That whoever we spend eight plus hours a day with, and those are divine relationships for us to sow into and influence and make a difference and help people develop into the people God called them to be. There is a, God wants to give us a clear and compelling vision for every team that we're on. Maybe, maybe we need a bigger vision for our church. You know, I, I, maybe if our vision for our church is, you know, maybe someday we could have 200 people come in and we could have our own building. Wouldn't that be awesome? We wouldn't have to set up every week. Yeah, that'd be great. You know what? That's, that's great. But if it's just about us, then that's not a big enough vision. You know, if a vision for a church, yeah, I want a church where I can be encouraged, where I can be ministered to, where I can get what I need. Yeah, that is part of it. That is huge. But if that's all it is, then it's not big enough. Because God wants every team that we're on to be not just about ourselves, but that team being a part of bringing his blessing into the world. If it's, a, if it's like, man, I want a church that's seen a city change. I want to be part of a church that's modeling Christian relationships, that's seen families be reconciled, that's seen lost people be born again, that's seen poor people have their lives turned around, that's sending out missionaries around the world, that's sending out leaders around the world. Man, I start to get excited about that sort of stuff. And that's the kind of vision that God wants to give us for whatever team we're on. All right, clear and compelling vision. A vision not, not just about us, but for God's kingdom. And whatever team that we're on, it's, it's not just about being blessed. Yes, that's important, but it's spreading that blessing to our teammates. And then together, spreading that blessing to others. And I just, man, I'm trusting today that God would, would speak to us. That, like, what would it look like for, for each of you to spread God's blessing at work? What would it look like for you to spread God's blessing at school? What would it look like for God's blessing, 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 blessing to spread in your family, in your neighborhood, in this community, in your church, in the world? What is the vision that God has for that? You know, a vision like this is contagious. I, was, I mentioned camping on Friday night, and I was, was Eddie and Jenny are getting married on next Saturday, six days away, and we had a little, a few of us went out, a little bachelor trip, and went camping on Friday night. And I checked out, I checked into my tent about 10 p.m. I mean, not 10, not quite that early. About midnight. <laughs> I, mean, I know, 10 would have been really bad. 
midnight, I was still, you know, one of the first ones. But I was like, okay, you know, this is great. It's been an awesome time. I'm going to try to get a little sleep. And I lay down in my tent, and there were a few of the guys still outside talking. And I could hear their whole conversation. And I was lying in my sleeping bed just, first of all, just laughing because it was hilarious, the stuff they were talking about. But also, I was just getting so excited because they were talking about this. They were talking about God's vision for the world and how it's bigger than what we can imagine. I mean, they were getting deep. I mean, you know, late at night, you're looking at the stars and, you know, there's, yeah, it's all sorts of factors involved. But they're like, you know, hey, man, the ideas of like beyond Earth and resources out in the galaxy and, man, if we run out of resources here, let's spread God's kingdom all over the universe and other universes and, but I was, like, I was sitting there, and it's like I couldn't sleep because I was like so excited. Because I was like, yes! Like the spirit of a vision for God's kingdom and being part of that and God using our life for something so much bigger. Like, yeah, that's what it's all about. And what they've got, it's not from me, it's, it's from God. Like they've gotten something from him, and it's in there, and it's spreading. And I'm laying there in my sleeping bag, like it's igniting in my heart afresh in a new way. And so, man, that's what God wants each one of us to carry, is a, a vision for for our life, for our teams, that is so powerful that it's contagious and it sweeps other people up into it. Uh, so let's pray. Let's pray for that to happen. God, thank you so much that the same big, incredible, world-changing vision that you gave to Abram, you call us into I thank you that you rescue us from small thinking, from small goals, from self-centered ideas, self-centered living. And you give us something so much better. So much better. Holy Spirit, would you continue to just get inside our hearts and our spirits and, and not let us rest because we have been consumed by something so much bigger. By your vision for the world. Lord, I pray that you would give us faith and ideas and opportunities with our friends, with our teammates, our family members to see that, hey, I can be an influence. I can, I can bring that vision to those around me. Lord, and we can, we can do something great together. We can be a part of what God's doing in the world. Lord, I ask for creativity. I, I ask for deliverance from, from small thinking, from other ideas. Lord, if, if there are moves in the teams that we're on or where we're aligned, where you're putting us, Lord, would you make that clear and give us the courage to walk that out? Lord, thank you. Thank you for your kingdom vision. We love you. Amen. Yeah. That was awesome. I, I'll tell you what, it's, that's one of those things that I constantly think about on a regular basis. It's like, man, where is my vision faltering? Or where is it small? And God, what do you want?